And to be completely transparent, how did I become a consultant? I got fired from my job and that woke me up very quickly. I had never been fired from anything in my entire life. I always... All right, welcome back to Have a Map podcast from Dim Events. I'm Brett Corona, your host, a broadcast journalism intern here that is a recent graduate from College of Charleston. So we also have our co-host here. You want to introduce yourself, Molly? Sure. Um, I'm Molly Fink. I'm a previous industrial organizational psych intern here at DIM Events, um, also a recent graduate of University of Maryland, and really excited to be here. Awesome. And now we also have our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Chrisley Julian. I am um, the human resource business partner for Chrisley G Consulting and also the Chief Operating Officer for Gampier Enterprises. Um, one focuses on human capital and the other focuses on real estate development. Incredible, awesome. So how or when did you know you wanted to be this kind of businesswoman go into like this HR world? Like how did you know this industry was really for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I started my I guess, journey into HR as actually an intern for Target. Um, and during my internship, I had met my first human resources exec. Um, and I said to her, I want that position. Um, I had already done lots of administrative roles that would essentially equip me for human resources. However, to really understand there is a finesse with human capital because you have to care for people, which doesn't provide tangible results, but you have to click that care for people to the tangible results, which are sales or you know operating expenses. So that finesse between the two really intrigued me. So the moment I was able to show kind of like the key stakeholders, the impact of investing in people and how it can help their bottom line, then I knew that I was on the right path. Um, so how did you end up in consulting and not anywhere else? I know human resources is a huge field. Yeah. Yeah. Human resources is a very large field. I, I like to always tell people I don't do benefits. Um, I don't do payroll and I don't do, um, recruiting. Right. And so organizational change management, um, you know, performance management, HRIS integration, that's pretty, much the the cusp of my business once you reach the global role it's like okay well what now right you've covered being a business partner across the world what else and so to really take on being a consultant was scary but it was definitely what i needed and it was the push that i needed so yeah you said it was like globally but also in silicon valley do you think like the competition there was like a way that was kind of pushing you out of that way? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't compete with anybody but myself. So I have a very strong belief system that no one can do my job better than I can and ever will. And so I operate in that mindset. And because of that, it's, it's made me very successful throughout the years. Um, and even in my failure, it's still a success because I learned something. So I'd actually never even been to Silicon Valley. I did everything 
from New York City. I ran the global role from New York City. So I actually never even experienced the competition. So what does day-to-day look like for you? <laughs> um, as an entrepreneur, day-to-day honestly floats. Like last week I was in Senegal, um, in, in Africa. Wow. Um, this week is more of a typical week. It's called a catch-up week. Um, a lot of it is I use a very strong uh, CRM system, so a client relationship management system, um, in which I'm following up with a lot of government contracts. So we were, prior to me going to Senegal, we had already been awarded a government contract. So at that point, it's ironing out what do the logistics look like, where are the people we need to really build out that particular contract. Um, I spend more time following up and building case studies, white papers, research docs, because that's what the government likes. And that is one of my primary clients. I like to consult essentially to the federal or state city local governments. Um, And then to to really draw out the day, morning time, wake up as early as I can, pack breakfast, make lunch and all that good stuff, send my three-year-old off to school. And then I hit the computers right until about 3 p.m. where I am knee deep in, you know, contacting mayors, contacting senators, building relationships with government officials, um, and then responding to proposals. Um, I sent out three proposals from the plane ride yesterday to today. Um, So those are the kind of the the day-to-day look like. And then once three o'clock hits, it's pretty much I'm devoted to my son as much as possible until about 9.30 p.m. when it's his bedtime, I am back on the computer. But my goal is I won't be doing this for more than a few years um, because my team should be strong enough to just take it on for me. So what's this experience been like building out your team? Um, it's been quite interesting. I think I have, I know what my Achilles heel is as a leader. I have a hard time letting go. Um, and so, but at the end of the day, I need to, um, and what I've realized is so many different personalities under one roof. Uh, it really requires that you have a consistent vision, a mission, really drawn out so everyone understands this is the part that I play. However, if a teammate drops off, I also need to be able to step in. Um, My biggest belief in building out a team, which I haven't really quite navigated or found someone that I'm really prone to, I I want to hire people that are better and stronger than me in HR. They have to be better. They have to be stronger or else I will be on a Ferris wheel trying to train and get them to the competency level that I desire. And I don't necessarily have time for that. So what I've learned across the years is stop trying to hire down and hire up. That's gotta be a daunting process, but I mean, clearly you gotta get it done. Yeah. Especially it's, it's like your brand. It's like your whole thing. So you obviously want the best that you can get that represents you. So did you think you were originally going to end up with this life, like what you were studying in college, just because we are interns and a lot of us uh, listening are in college still, did you think like younger you, they think that it would be the businesswoman you are today? Um, absolutely not and absolutely yes. So I had always 
had a entrepreneurial spirit, a spirit, like I, I knew that I had that. And based on my dad, my mom, like they also have that spirit. Um, but I, if you asked me when I was at Georgetown University in grad school studying HR, I thought I was going to be working for Target my entire life. And I'd be an HR exec at Target forever. I had never seen past that point. Um, but I also realized moving back to New York City, the hustle spirit that comes from New York City really permeated very quickly where, you know, I realized, okay, I got to do more than just work for someone like this is not fulfilling anymore. Um, meeting the metrics are great. Doing the change transformations within companies are wonderful, but am I actually happy and fulfilled? And I realized very quickly that I wasn't. So I started my business even prior to me being fired. And then I got overwhelmed with the clientele and that's when I got fired. Um, so what advice, like based on your experience, you know, growing through this, these big changes in your life, what advice do you have for young professionals inside and outside of this field? Well, I would definitely say this advice is not just for young professionals. This is for me as well, because I was just talking about this morning with my husband. Um, it would definitely be grab fear. And, you know, this is a podcast, so I try to keep this as PG rated as possible, but grab fear by the balls. Like don't let fear dominate your mindset and make you believe that you're not capable. Um, I spent a lot of years, even today, um, thinking that I'm not capable of doing something. And, you know, my husband is a very simplistic like figure. He's just like, hire somebody that can, you know? And I'm like, what? Um, but the fear mindset really kind of held me back for a little bit. So grab fear by the balls and go after it, no matter what people will think. Family, your, your goals and your accomplishments are not for the agreements of your family members. When I was in college, I thought, hey, I graduated, my mom's happy, I did it. But in actuality, you should not care what your family thinks, your friends think. What you want to do is for you. And when you want to do it, go after it wholeheartedly. So um, you said that you're a mom. So how do you manage that, like your personal life with your business? I said, like, you were saying how you had to get back on your laptop later in the night. How do you set boundaries for yourself? Um, that's such a good question. <laughs> I get this question a lot. How do I balance with being a wife, being a mom, being a businesswoman? Um, there is no logical balance. I've never heard anyone even come up with a balance. And if they have, they're on drugs. Um, <laughs> so don't listen to them. Um, no, I prioritize. I, I have this thing where my brain will run while it's sleeping. And so in order for me to set boundaries and really prioritize my time, I really purge my thoughts onto a notepad or whatever that needs to be accomplished. The biggest thing with projects or accomplishing any goal is to create the steps to that, right? The small steps. You can create the small steps to the larger goal. You'll get there in no time because you're progressing either way. And so what I had learned to do is I 
I prioritize a list. It'll be a full blown list of the small steps. It could say email such and such person, small step, right? And so when they email back, I now have a new task to add to the list. But those small steps that I create, I prioritize. And I'm very big on um, time blocking. Um, social media definitely is not a time block friendly tool. It can warp you into this black hole of just scrolling. But I time block a lot because my son is in school. And so I know that once he gets out, it's mommy time. Um, but I, I time block a lot. I prioritize a lot. And at the end of the day, there's not enough money that could keep me away from my family. Um, so if I need to take a trip to another country, I'm going to take it. Do you think, um, with, I know it's probably also another question that you get a lot, but with the pandemic happening, do you think that greatly affected your relationship with your family and your business kind of twofold? Yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic was the best thing that could have ever happened to my business and my family. Um, I mean, in the middle of the pandemic, I bought an investment property. So it worked out, right? Um, and I think a lot of people, I had heard this from my brother and, and all of my brothers are entrepreneurs, actually, I just thought about it. But um, I had heard my brother say, you know, coming out of the recession, in the 2008, a bunch of people were millionaires. And this was a time where I knew, and my husband knew, listen, it's either we're going to crumble at the hands of this pandemic, or we're going to seize all the opportunities and fly off the ledge and pray for the best. And we did. And it was successful that we got this property. Um, I think as far as my business, it definitely, I've, I've made more money in the pandemic, I guess, and made more connections. Um, because what a lot of people didn't realize is with work, uh, who was the person that was terminating everyone during the pandemic? It was your human resources. Who was reorganizing your organization post pandemic? It was your human resource consultant. So pandemic, sadly, but fortunately for me, um, was the best thing that ever happened. Do you have to separate yourself from situations like that, though, where you have to think, like, in the grand scheme, like, there was so much going wrong for all these people, and people, again, like, getting fired and stuff, but you're like, did you ever get guilty, almost? So, yes and no. Um, I think because of the aid, just for this example, right, but as it pertains to the pandemic, because of the aid that came out from the government, a lot, actually probably 90% of the people that were terminated that I worked with that were being terminated because I wasn't working with like C-suite leaders. It was very like managers and employees, low grade, low level employees. They, they made more money being unemployed than they did while being employed. So they were, they were okay with it. They're like, yeah, you know, that the help from the government made it easier. Now, if that help from the government were not there, I think it'd be a definitely a tougher conversation. But in this particular instance, I lucked up. That's, that's a great question. So there's actually a few articles that I've been reading, especially through LinkedIn. What does the, the new workplace look like? Um, and I think culture dictates that. So there are 
a lot of locations where people actually want to be in the office. And that might sound surprising. I myself actually want to physically be in the office. I actually do not like working at home. There are certain people that aren't productive. However, the majority are asking for a hybrid experience. And I think the hybrid experience is essential because we're seeing people perform um, a lot more from their home, but they're performing more because there isn't enough boundaries as to when to stop working. So although the companies are, are gaining hours of work out of their employees, the employees are kind of slowly burning out, right? It's not a quick burnout, but it's a slow burnout. And I think we're not going to see that until maybe another year from now when we truly see the, the mental state of it and the mental impact. But I think those companies that have chosen to go hybrid, that still have office space, that are, that are making it an option for employees to go into the workspace, those are the companies that have it correct. They're the companies that are saying, if you'd like to come, you can come X amount of days. If you don't want to come, you're free to work from home as long as you're, you know, your workload is complete. They have it correct. We aren't, this idea of working Monday through Friday, nine to five is a very old and outdated concept and doesn't necessarily align with how families progress now. When we really think about it, people have children and their children don't get out of school until three o'clock, right? So you want me to get out of work at 5 p.m., but my child is out at three and my child has to be at school by 7.30 in the morning, but you want me to get in at nine. It doesn't align, right? So I think being hybrid is where it's at. And for those who are forcing like a five-day work week, we're already seeing the transition of the employees exiting, specifically Gen Zs and millennials exiting those companies and going more towards the companies that are open to just, hey, you can come in when you like, you can work from home as long as the workload's done. Yeah, and this kind of goes to what back back to what I was trying to say about my own experience in a nine to five, which was like, we were talking about the burnout, how I had nobody to kind of keep me in check because everybody was so spread thin because I was working in broadcasting and everything was messed up from the pandemic, obviously. The second we got moved remote and I was still in training and I was like, no, what's going on over here? And I was getting slammed with so much stuff and I would work through my lunch breaks and stuff because I had deadlines. I had to get everything done, but nobody was like mentally checking on me. And I was like exhausted. And I had to like, just get out of that for my own sake, mm-hmm. for my own mental sake. And I just like, it's, it's interesting how, like you said, we're almost moving, we're moving away from this and going to like a hybrid space because when we, before I was remote, it felt healthier being in the office space. There was more of like that check of like being able to like know that other people are just like, you know, in and up, walking out at that certain right. time of the day. We are wrapping things up. We are separating our work life from our personal life. We can go about things normally, but it's just, it's wild what it can do to us mentally, how we can just like get so burnt out so quick and then being like stuck in that system and not realizing like, oh, this actually just isn't for me. <laughs> Correct. And it, and the thing is it actually, and this is why I say, really not gonna see the ramifications of it until probably in the next year or two, 
what happens when you work from home like all year round? Because unless you have like a healthy habit of 445, you're sending that last email and you are closing the computer and you're actually physically getting up and exiting your house to go for a, a jog or a walk or whatever that might be, we're not going to see it. And I think it's going to hurt a lot of employees that already have suffered from, let's say, some mental health issues, right? Like if you already suffer from depression and you are now coaxed up in your apartment or your home and you're working and you have nothing to look forward to, it is definitely a negative impact. But again, there are companies that provide the hybrid. And I think it's funny because the email just popped in from hr.com and it says, prepare for a hybrid work environment. So that's, that's just what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's coming our way. Yeah. So what do you think is like the most rewarding thing about what you're doing now? Um, personally, I get to do it on my time and in my way. So I get to lose on my account and I get to win on my account. Um, and a lot of people don't understand why I say, hey, why are you celebrating you get to lose? The thing is, I made so many mistakes starting my consulting company, so many failures, so many no's, so many, like, I don't understand what you do. Um, but it was those things that helped me realign my thoughts very quickly and assess, okay, I just need to change this and change that. It made me work harder. And because of that, everything that I win is sweeter. Whereas if I'm working for someone else, when they win, if I'm working for you know Target and they have a large contract, I don't feel that. I'm still doing the same routine every single day. And so also having a team that I'm employing, right? In the middle of a pandemic. Um, I have the opportunity to uplift women, essentially for me, that's a huge focus for me where I can, if you say that you need a couple of days because your child is, you know, the flu, I'm free to tell you, take care of your child. I understand. If you tell me you need to go to a wedding, those little things are my joys because I know what it means to be on the other side and I never want to deprive somebody of it. So to be able to employ, to be able to just lose and win on my terms and see those, you know, the fruits of my labor come to fruition is everything. And also to be able to watch my mother fall asleep in the backyard of my patio furniture when she should be watching my son is also <laughs> rewarding. So that I love how you try to make a safe space for all these women that you're bringing onto your team. That's really important these days because I feel like there's still that girl boss culture that's being permeated through everything. You have to kind of be on top of it and be almost like 200% just to even make a name at all. And I think it's really awesome what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so kind of relating to um, what you think is the most rewarding, what do you think is the most impactful thing that you're doing um, for yourself and for others? impactful for myself well I'll start with impactful for others again I think I just stated the ability to provide employment and empower and 
for those to not feel like they're stuck or they caged in a nine to five. That's one. But for me, I think it's the, the fact that I'm growing out of the scarcity mindset. Um, that has definitely, I mean, between therapy and building this business, I mean, the, you, you have no choice but to operate in a, I'm going to succeed mindset. Um, whereas in the past, I've always kind of like, you kind of doubt like, can I start this firm? Can I do this? Am I capable? But um, what I started to flip around my mindset was, well, for all the years that, I, that I've been human resource business partner, I've gotten the jobs, right? I've gotten the roles, I've gotten promoted, I've gone global. So obviously I can, right? Like it's not, there isn't a question of it. So now it's just to do it. So I think transitioning from the employee mindset to the business owner also forced me to transition my mindset from the scarcity to like the abundance. Like I'm always gonna have contracts. I'm always gonna have opportunities. I'm always going to, to receive, right? I just need to just go ahead and go after it. That's awesome. Thanks. How are you using social media in this day and age when it comes to personal, again, personal life versus your consulting firm? How are you really engaging with that? How are you time blocking, like you were saying earlier? Yeah, so um, I love social media, uh, mainly Instagram. Instagram's really where I spend most of my time and Clubhouse now. So Clubhouse has been a huge platform that I've used for my business where I consult individual clientele rather than governments and companies. Um, but I use uh, social media freely and not as a key marketing aspect for myself. And let me tell you why. So I know my business and what services I provide. And I also know who my client is, right? So my primary target client has and always will be government contractors or government agencies. And they don't have access to social media um, when they're at work. So I don't, I always feel like I am not pressured to, you know, put out two, three posts a day, or I'm not pressured to load my stories up. I'm not pressured to have this beautiful like art gallery of a, of a timeline. Um, I feel like I can be myself, share my business, share my family, um, and still attract those followers that like where I'm going. Um, do I still use it with like a lot of my marketing stuff, maybe to gain the one-on-one -on -one clients? Yes, but I definitely do not use it for government official work. Um, and that's where the, a huge cup, cusp of my business is. So it's definitely a tool that I use, but it is not my primary. I'm more so focused on doing case studies and white papers and analytical docs. That's where, that's my social media for the government. That's nice. I like how you can really be yourself on yeah. your media and you don't have to cater to people with like some color palette and infographics and all of that. I feel like that's kind of becoming the main thing on Instagram with a lot yeah. of these businesses, these small business people really trying to make a name. I feel like it's yeah. all kind of blending into one almost. Yeah. I still, I'm still brand. Like I still use one specific color code. I still use, you know, like 
uh, everything that I post still will have intention to attract possibly a customer. But at the same time, that is, I don't pour my, so much of my energy into it. I'm more so am like, look at my three-year-old that found a squirrel in the yard, right? And then the next slide would be like, well, this is how you can sustain a great workplace. Like, you know, you'll see, you'll see the blend and I am not bogged down to anything that would, that would say that I need to create that creative color palette or anything like that. We'd love to see that instead of, you know, all of like the fake stuff that is on Instagram nowadays and just social media in general. It's also just healthier that way. Just not wasting so much time on being perceived, I guess. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an important thing to kind of set those boundaries with yourself. I, I also don't share uh, like personal, like I believe with social media, too many people you, you will know about my business, but you won't know about my personal life, right? So a lot of people, when I went to Africa, you know, I, I posted a picture of me in Senegal. And someone hit me up, was like, well, we didn't know you were gonna do business in Senegal. I was like, I didn't know I was supposed to report that on social media, like, you know? Um, no one knows what really happens. And I always say to someone, just because you're watching a story or seeing a picture, that's what, 30 seconds of someone's entire day, you know? And I love when someone sees me with makeup and my hair is done, my nails, and I'm like, I just wipe poop off the wall. Like, that's the reality of my life. <laughs> One last question. Um, if you had advice for your younger self when you were an intern at Target, what would you tell her? <laughs> You know, when I started at Target, now that I look at it, I feel like my younger self could give my older self advice, which is weird. Um, at Target, I came in very strong, so much so that my first day as an intern, I, like my second go around as an intern, I remember getting feedback that I need to dial it down. Um, and I would tell her, don't dial it down. You know, like keep, keep the same energy, the same level of confidence because I need that person now, right? Like I need her in this moment. Um, and because you don't know, when, when you're young, you don't know what's to come. Um, and because I had not had bills, I wasn't married yet, I didn't have kids yet. I really went full force, like my, my energy is focused here. I will execute, I will be great, I'm already great. And I walked with a level of confidence that I still have to this day. But I think I would definitely tell her like, don't, don't dim your light for anybody else. Um, I think I've done that over the course of a few years to fit into certain boxes that my, managers you know in the past have wanted me to fit into and one of the things that they would say was my Achilles heel is you know I failed to communicate effectively and that was a general box and underneath that box was you're a little too aggressive well when you're dealing with a predominantly male dominated industry and not HR but just being consultant um, a male dominated industry, 
I need that energy and I need that level in order to make it. So I definitely tell her like, don't dial it down. Adjust how you approach, but definitely don't dial it down. That's great. It's so you, it's just the essence of you bringing it all together. Well, it was awesome having you on today. Um, would you want to like plug any socials other than like we were talking about Instagram so much and maybe like your website, any upcoming things you got going on? Um, I do probably, but I always tell people, so for those who are interested in starting their consulting business sometime in October, um, I will probably be dropping a few courses or having some sort of mentorship program happening. Um, so keep an eye out. My Instagram is at Chrisley G Consulting. Uh, so that's C-H-R-I-S-T-L-I-E-G Consulting. Or you can follow my personal page, which is at Chrisley G. So it's the same spelling, just without the consulting. Um, I am on Twitter. Don't use it much. Probably don't even remember the handle. Uh, um, I am not on TikTok and I will not be on TikTok. So don't ever ask me to be on TikTok. <laughs> um, and of course you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Chrissy Gann here. So it's my uh, married name. Awesome. Thank you so much. As you know, a young professional in like the HR IO world, I really have appreciated hearing from you and learning about your path. Awesome. And of course, if anybody wants to contact me, feel free, DM me. I'll always direct you to the make an appointment line, but you can still DM me. 